Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, it's Desi Jedekin. Welcome back, Desi. Thanks. I was gone for a long time. And I, I had very bad Wi-Fi and like couldn't get any text or... I was struggling. I know you were struggling, but I was. it affected me. Oh, really? Yeah, because I feel yeah. like... You know how it is in Bellinas. Yes. There's like zero Wi-Fi. Yeah. It's like you have like one room in the house. And like anytime she did have Wi-Fi, it was because she was uploading another picture of her at the farmer's market. <laughs> I was like, oh, we've lost Desi. <laughs> I was very country. It was, it was nice. It, I mean, it look, I, when you posted the fresh Blackberry picture, that's when I was like, oh, I'm jealous. I have some jams. <gasps> you made jam? Yeah. Blackberry. Oh, that's like our side hustle we're, we're yeah. trying to do in 2020. I'm already like, next time we come, I'm doing pickles too. <laughs> no, Desi and <laughs> I want to start, we want to start a jam business. <laughs> right. Dead serious. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to give away all of our secrets. Mm -hmm. Let's thank our lovely patrons for this past week. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene, where we have lots of bonus content available for you to listen to. This week, we had Allie, Patricia, Rachel, M, Gia, Gabriel, Sarah, Tara, Kaya, another Sarah, Tiffany, Emma, Tracy, Adam, Zachariah, Audrey, Hannah, Katie, and Barbara. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. Okay. So, I don't even just, know what you're doing. I know. I <laughs> I literally just got in. I know. So She just got in I to LA. In, it's like 11 p.m. Yeah, we're this. recording really late tonight, so Desi's a little loopy, which I'm kind of excited mm-hmm. about. I don't even know. I like put this story together so long ago, like earlier in the week. I don't even remember what it's about. So we're going to find out together. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Okay. So this week we have yet another Chicago, the musical style bitch from the twenties. Oh, good. I don't know. Like I'm like, this is like my conspiracy now is like, why were there so many female murderesses, female murderesses in the 1920s? I don't know. Someone's going to write that academic paper. It's not going to be me. They were fed up. Right. So this is about a woman named Hazel Glab. Now, (laughs) that's like the most 20s name ever. Hazel Glab. Hazel Glab. Yeah, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Hazel was born Hazel Belford to Sue and John Belford in Oklahoma around 1900. I saw one report that said... 1894, but more that said 1900. So I'm just going to go with that. Yeah, let's make her a little youthful. We'll make her a little more youthful. And at age four, Hazel became an orphan. According to Hazel, her early life was an adventure. She claims that she, you know, hung out with outlaws and cowboys from, from a young age. She was like an adventurous girl. She was friends with Al Jennings, who was a one-time attorney from Oklahoma who went on to join a group of outlaws and rob trains, which is like a very 1920s criminal route to take. Yeah, is like train becoming robbery. A, yeah, becoming a train robber. Sure. Later, he would go on to become a silent film star. Ooh. Hazel got married at a young age. Her first husband's name was Mr. Vendig. But her dreams of making it in Hollywood were more important than marriage, so she split up with him and moved to L.A. Now, Hazel never struck gold in Hollywood. She mostly just did work as an extra. She did do a little modeling. I did see a modeling picture of her, like she was modeling swimsuits from the 20s. Is she attractive? Yeah, she was cute. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so she wasn't getting a lot of work, so she returned back to Oklahoma where she got married to a man named Fred Garland who ran a car rental service. In 1918, Hazel filed for divorce from Fred. According to the petition, Hazel alleged that her husband forced her into bootlegging. She also says that he would rent out their home to couples who needed a place to fuck. Those were not the exact words, but I just embellished on those. (laughs) That's Uh, not the scientific term. (laughs) That's not the scientific term? (laughs) Yeah, to fuck. (laughs) Fred and his brother made Hazel come. This is according to Hazel, that Fred and his brother made Hazel come with them to Texas to transport cases of whiskey back to Oklahoma. But their bootlegging mission turned out to be a bust. The two brothers were able to escape law enforcement, but Hazel wound up being arrested. Fortunately for Hazel, she had connections in Texas and was released. Okay. Hazel also asserted that a friend of her husband's, a man named R.G. Scott, told Hazel that if she didn't agree to her husband's property settlement, that he would testify in court that him and Hazel had fucked, <laughs> making her this adulteress. Yeah. She wouldn't get anything in the divorce. Hazel also accused her husband of pawning off her diamonds. According to the Daily Oklahoman, the marriage was so awful that Hazel attempted suicide and was hospitalized for several weeks. So I don't think this Fred Garland guy was like a great guy. No. I mean, he seems he seems kind of like a jerk, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But why was she so concerned about not getting anything? Like at that point, it doesn't seem like he has well, she much. Didn't, she didn't want to give up what she... <clears throat> did have yeah um it was this property settlement thing and the divorce court was messy this was like very messy chief of police wb nichols called hazel quote an awful liar and he also implied that she was hardly a chaste woman as if that was a reason to well she's married i mean obviously i guess you're right but yeah he threw that in there and they're like we've had a run-in with her before she's she's a hoe i think one thing we forget um, like, is that divorce used to be much harder to get. Like yes. now it's very easy and you don't need to get their permission or anything. Right. And this, we'll see a couple more cases of like more examples of that in this story where it's like, oh, they had to go do this to yeah. get a divorce. It, it was definitely, you're right. So Hazel shot back with, well, after the chief of police got up on the stand and ripped Hazel Hazel's character to Uh shreds she shoots back with well chief nichols came over to my house one day and we had booze everywhere and according to hazel nichols looked around when he was in their house and said "Mm, just be quiet about it and then he asked for a beer (laughs) so she was like this guy's been drinking our fucking liquor now who's a hypocrite yeah (laughs) she owned him from the stand and i i appreciate that Fred Garland denied charges that he ever mistreated or abused his wife, claiming the only bad thing he ever did was call Hazel a chicken. What? I don't know why he would call her that. Like that she was scared? I guess. I, my first impulse was like a chicken, like she looked like a chicken. <laughs> I was like, I guess it is a term. But still, like, oh, she's scared when she was running that booze illegally across the like, Like, what was she a chicken about? Right. In 1919, Hazel sued a clothing store for $10,000 when a gust of wind sent a plate glass window flying into her nose and breaking it. This is like the original Marsha Brady. Right. And she sued their asses. She's like, my nose is my moneymaker. Right. I'm a Hollywood actress. And they're like, really? We're in Oklahoma. (laughs) Well, now I have a broken nose. So (laughs) So I have to stay here. I was planning on going back, 
bitch. Right. <laughs> in 1925, Hazel was arrested again for stealing the car of a man that she was involved with. That same year, Hazel wound up living in Chicago where she met a man named John Glab. He was a wealthy druggist who owned a pharmacy and bootlegged on the side. He was also married. But that didn't stop Hazel. <laughs> Hazel and John began an on-again, off-again relationship. Now, she ended up moving back to Los Angeles where she got into a relationship with a police, police officer named William McIntyre. And in January of 1927, Hazel and William McIntyre got into a heated argument and Hazel shot him in the cheek. In the cheek? Yeah, that's what it said. <laughs> I wanted to specify. I think, I think she was trying to go for the head and it grazed his cheek. Yeah, because he didn't die. Yeah. So I had to specify cheek. Like, yeah. It wasn't like he shot him in the head and then yeah. he died. Yeah. Usually that implies like they died. No, the cheek. She shot him in the cheek. It grazed his fat little cheek. His he turned the other cheek. <laughs> <laughs> he survived. Hazel claimed self-defense and the charges wound up being dropped. And the icing on the cake is that William lost his job at the LAPD for just being too much drama. Ooh. I think they found out about that. Like, oh, you got shot by a dame? And they fired him. Too much drama. I mean, police don't care about drama now. (laughs) Too much drama. Meanwhile, Hazel's boyfriend, John Glab, the wealthy druggist, missed Hazel. At this point, he was willing to leave his wife to start a brand new life with her in Los Angeles. So John went to Reno, Nevada, where he was able to get a quick divorce. There that is again. He has to go to Nevada. Right. You can just do anything in Nevada. Yeah. That was the common thing back then. Right. To go to Reno. And he moved to Los Angeles. Five months later, him and Hazel were married. The newlyweds purchased a large Spanish-style home in Studio City. But the relationship turned sour quickly. John and Hazel frequently fought, often about financial matters, and their tumultuous relationship wasn't exactly a secret. Neighbors often heard the couple fighting, and their friends were also privy to their problems. On the night of June 18, 1928, Hazel and her 17-year-old niece, Ethel Kaser, were at the Glab home playing Pinochle. (laughs) Have you ever played Pinochle before? No. I am aware of it. It's like an old lady game. This whole... like. Ellen, what was her, what's the niece's name? Ethel. Ethel and Hazel playing pinochle. I mean, come on. I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it. Hazel asked her husband, John, to run to the store to get her some cigarettes. It was just after 9 p.m. when he walked outside to the car. Then two gunshots rang out. Neighbors nearby heard the shots. A neighbor named Tom heard the shots when he looked outside, and when he looked outside his window, he saw John Glab lying on the ground next to the open door of his car. Another neighbor, Mrs. J. Goodrich, heard the shots and then called the police. Mrs. Goodrich then said she heard clicking noises, like those of high heel shoes running away. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, that's going <laughs> to click. The clickety clack is going to come up a lot in this yeah. story. <laughs> that's a very important detail. It sounds like an unchaste woman to me. <laughs> they were high heels. High heels. They were not heels She's for a, a lady. married woman. <laughs> She ran to the window and then she saw a woman wearing light colored clothing run from the car and into the glab house. Mrs. Goodrich then ran over to the glab household where she knocked on the door. Hazel and her niece, Ethel, said that they were okay and that they didn't hear any shots because the radio was on. 
I don't know what they were listening to. That the ra- what did they even have on the radio in 1928? Um, world. What's that? War of the Worlds? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we thought it was a radio play. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Goodrich also said that Hazel answered the door wearing a light tan dress. Oh. Now, John Glad was rushed to the hospital via ambulance, but he died of a gunshot wound to the chest on the way over. But before he died, he was reported to have moaned, Martha, before he passed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Martha was the name of the wife he left for Hazel. Oh, interesting. I'm, I mean, I bet when she heard that report, she was like, oh, now you want me yeah. when, you're, when you're bleeding from a gunshot wound. Right. Or is it her? Martha, why'd you shoot me? <laughs> <laughs> so police questioned Hazel, her niece, and the gardener of the Glab home, And all three of their stories conflicted. Now, the gardener lived on the property with his wife. They lived in like a little guest house. Do you know what section of town this is in? Studio City. Oh, okay. A search of the Glab home turned up two pistols. Detectives surmised that the killer had been waiting for John Glab in his vehicle and shot him as soon as he opened the door. Hazel, her niece, and the gardener were all arrested on suspicion of murdering John Glab. Another person who was taken into custody was William McIntyre, the police officer and ex of Hazel, the one that she shot in the face. Apparently, Hazel had still been seeing him even after she got married to John. He took her back after getting shot in the face by her, Wow! which I feel like that's a classic example of dangerous pussy. Yeah, diamond level. How good was that (laughs) pussy? Someone shoots you in the face. Yeah, I mean, it was a good call by the um, police department to fire him for drama because it looks like there's even more drama (laughs) (laughs) right they just wait apparently she'd still been seeing him even after she got married to john william said that he was at a restaurant at the time of the shooting meanwhile the gardener a man named wilson told police that hazel and john had been arguing for several days before he was killed he said that they were planning on getting a divorce This is from an article in the LA Times. Glab intended to leave for Nevada Tuesday, and I think he was going away for good from what he told me, Wilson told Captain Newsletter after several hours of unbroken silence and a stubborn refusal to talk. Monday morning, he came out into the yard and told me that she was getting a little too high-toned for him and that he guessed he would return to Nevada, where he had some mining interests. He's like, I don't know, this is too much drama. Martha, I didn't, leave, I didn't leave my wife for this. Martha never talked back to me. Right. Well, maybe you shouldn't have cheated on your wife, John. Seriously. He wanted some drama, and he got it. He got it. He get hooks up with the bootlegging broad from Oklahoma. Right. I'm sure it was exciting when you didn't have it full time, right? Yeah, when he was just fucking her on the side. That's why you just have to leave some women as a mistress. <laughs> <laughs> the gardener's wife who lived with Wilson in the guest house on the property corroborated her husband's story. She too had heard them fighting and she had even heard Hazel threaten John Glab. A friend of the Glabs, a woman named Mrs. Adams, said that Mr. Glab had come over to her home the Wednesday before the shooting and said that he wanted to kill his wife and her side piece, William McIntyre. So he was like, I'm going to fucking kill that bitch and her cop boyfriend. I like having a side piece as a woman. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. It's kind of like, fuck you, you nerd. Like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, like, I picture her. She thought she had this rich guy, but he was probably a real pill. 
Right? Yeah. Like, and then when she's like a wife, she's like, fuck this shit. Like, she's bored. Yeah. She wants to be, go see. back to bootlegging and yeah. shit. Hazel told detectives that she was certain that it was somebody from the Chicago underworld who had murdered her husband. She told detectives that her husband had been a racketeer in the Chicago beer running trade. So she's like, obviously, my husband was up to some criminal activities. Obviously, it was someone from a gang. Seriously. Who shot him. Put two and two together, you fucking idiots. You're supposed to be detectives. Do your fucking job. Maybe do some investigative work. Hello, link things. Hello, Chicago, bootlegging. Come on. And after 24 hours of police interrogation, 17-year-old Ethel changed her story. She said that she and her Aunt Hazel actually did hear the gunshots after all. I mean, that is a pretty big detail to lie about. And why would she admit that all of a sudden? Because she was being interrogated Uh vigorously by these police. Because they were just Hazel was probably... Furious. Oh, I'm sure. I, I mean, I just feel like once you make a plan, you stick. You to gotta it. stick to it. You can't betray. I look. I'm blaming <laughs> the cops because they put her under 24 hours of like interrogation, and right. she's 17 years old. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um. So she, yeah, she cracked, and she was like, "Yeah, we did hear the gunshots." She said that she heard the shots and ran to the window, and that when she ran to the window, Hazel was like, sit down, sit down, don't make a scene, basically. yeah. Neither of the pistols found in the Glab home could be proven to be the murder weapon. When Hazel was taken by detectives to the morgue to see her husband's body, she asked, have they found out what kind of bullet killed him? Just curious. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I mean, it is a pretty weird lie to say you didn't hear the gunshots. Like, what is that? Who cares? Like, right. you could be innocent and have heard the gunshots, right? Right, like, right. It seemed like a lie too far. Like, Totally. Just admit you heard them and that you also noticed something. Like, Right. Yeah, it you, was weird. Yeah, we were listening to a radio play. And I was like, was the gunshots in the radio play? Or did that really... <laughs> like, it seems like an easy thing to cover up still. Right. Like, but to say you didn't hear them is weird. Like, yeah. And so Hazel, like when she was, would be like being interviewed or she was like, you know, at a hearing or something, she would be like very like sad about her husband. But then when she went to the morgue right, to go look at the body, she was just very stoic. And like technically, like trying to get information. She just wanted information. <laughs> Hazel and her niece were charged with the murder of John Glad. Whoa. Yeah. During an inquest, Hazel said this. If I am wrong, I will have to suffer. But if I am right, there's nothing police or others can do to me. I am not worried because I know they have nothing on me. I didn't do the shooting. However, if I am convicted, I'll just go be convicted and there won't be any more to it. That's all there is and there isn't any more. And then she laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Thing about Hazel you have to understand is like, she was like, kind of like an early reality star. Like she was right. like an early tabloid. She's like, if people either love me or hate me, like, <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. Uh, right. Like and if just they like, just want to judge a book by its cover, fine. Fine. But that's my journey that I'm on and I make mistakes sometimes, but I move on and pick up my pieces. Like, and I just like can't handle girls who are into drama. That's just who I am. No. I, I like that she framed it as like, if they're wrong or, or or I'm right and they're wrong, like it's like not about whether or not she did it or right. she's guilty or innocent. It's yeah. like right or wrong. Yeah. Like you, so you know in her mind she's come up with a reason why. Like, she's like, they don't have anything on me. Yeah. Like 
it's not saying she's innocent. It's like they can't prove shit. Like Right. <laughs> totally. So Hazel and her niece Ethel wound up being released as the charges against the two were dropped due to lack of evidence. Ooh, so they, she was right. She was right. They couldn't find the murder weapon. Like they couldn't find they found two pistols in the Glab household, right. but neither of them were able to be linked to the body. Would something have been able to be linked or was gun science not up to They could do like the kind basic, the bullet. Yeah. But they didn't have like a lot of the So that probably means those guns weren't used. Right? Yeah, the yeah. guns weren't used. So detectives began searching for connections Mr. Glab allegedly had in the so called underworld of Chicago. That's, they went there next. Yeah. And now that John Glab is dead, there's a battle between his former wife, Martha, and Hazel for who would be in charge of the estate. Well, that seems like she would be in charge. They right? were married. Yeah. I mean, Hazel did eventually win, but right. there was like a lot of fuck you. I was married to him for right this many years. You and know. you were probably the murderer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hazel made headlines again for getting into a drunken brawl on Christmas night. Nice. I know. I love a Christmas brawl. It's not Christmas if there's no brawl. Right. I mean, come on. I just always. That's one thing I miss about my childhood. Like now I go to like Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever. No big brawls happen. Like, they always happened as a child. Did you ever have, like, your gross, one of your gross stepdads, like, in his tidy whities wearing, like, a Santa hat? No, but it would be more like my aunt called my mom a whore or something. <laughs> like, one incident I remember is my aunt saying something like, my, your mom's a bitch or something, and I, like, went off at her. Like, we were getting food from, like, a buffet I can't remember what holiday it was. It might have been Thanksgiving. And I was like, you called my mom a whore. And I was, like, created this big scene awesome. between my aunt and me. We got into a big fight. How old were you? Um, maybe like fourth grade. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> Uh, I like fought with her like and I was screaming crying and that's like something I look back and I laugh now because I was like I can't believe I defended my mom but like you know how it is when you're a kid you're like I can call her a whore but you can't of course yeah so it was like that amazing so Hazel gets into a brawl on Christmas night with the male companion the man's name was Harry Frizzell and he was having a Christmas party at his house when Hazel saw them saw him with another woman. Like he was talking to some other broad. Oh. So she goes up to him and she clocked him over the head with a revolver. Damn. At this party she at his own house. Not around with her now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a fight broke out that wound up carrying out onto the street. Nice. Like, and there were people over at this house. It was a Christmas party. Wow. I mean, this is iconic. Yeah. So they're brawling on the street. Hazel is beating the shit out of him. Damn. Um, she was treated at the hospital for minor injuries and then released. Hazel basically at this time did not ever find fame as an actress or a model, but she did have some notoriety as being famous for getting in trouble. Right. And being in the papers yeah. for drunken brawls or murder. theft. Murder. Yeah. Right. Her mur- they would always refer to her as like, you know, her husband who she was like charged allegedly, allegedly yeah. was on you know a suspect in his murder so she was like always in the paper but never for like acting shit because mm-hmm. she didn't really do that again right. she just kind of acting was not really her passion no she <laughs> wanted to get on camera and she, she pretty wanted much, to be famous yeah <laughs> she wanted to be famous so 
On New Year's Day 1930, William McIntyre was involved in a fatal hit and run. He was driving drunk and killed a woman who was crossing the street. He was arrested and questioned again by police about the Glab murder. So they arrest this guy. So they have him in on another charge so they can question him now. Yes. They're like, oh, by the way, remember that murder? While we have you here. Yeah. Let's talk about that murder that happened two years ago that you were like involved in. Yeah. And we know your drama. Yeah. We heard the rumors. Yeah. How much drama? I mean, he's still drama. Yeah. He's drama. They're perfect for each other. He fucking did a hit and run. Seriously. He could have been on Celebrity Manslaughter episode (laughs) if he was more famous. Yeah. (laughs) He wound up being charged with manslaughter and sentenced to seven years to life in prison. Damn. Hazel was out of money, and by the mid-30s, she had gotten into a relationship with a new man, a wealthy financier. Financier? Sure. Financer? How do you I don't even know that? what that job is, but I always hear that word. Look, it's some, financier. It's some when I think of someone who's a financier, I think of someone who's obviously started on third base. Right. Yeah. And then got even more money than they were born with right. somehow through whatever means. I'm not quite sure what that job is either. No, it's just a I rich I feel like it's fuck. like I'll buy stocks for you. Yeah. And make you or money. I'll buy property. Yeah. Like and they flip make it. other people money, I think. Don't correct me because I don't even care. Yeah, I don't care. They're rich assholes. (laughs) Who cares? She sets her sights on this new guy because he's a rich guy. Yes. And he's nearly twice her age. At this time, Hazel is like 35 and he's 65. Wow. Yeah. The two had planned to marry in Las Vegas. But 65-year-old Albert Cheney was found dead in his hotel room just one day before they were to be married. Shit. Yeah. What a tragedy, right? Like She was probably really bummed. I mean, you want to get that, get married. Like, get at least inheritance. have the decency to die after the wedding. Like, during wedding sex. That's the goal. That's the ultimate. Right. Get, you're just in the nick of time, <laughs> and then you don't have to suffer through a marriage. And you don't have to probably suffer through their cum face, because you know it's bad. Uh, so, but, but what if their heart attack face is what their cum face was? That could be haunting, because you're like, are they coming? This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're dying. Well, I don't know. Well, at least I'm rich. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the bittersweet. (laughs) So. Well, we know she didn't kill him because she would have waited one day. Yeah, Yeah. Hazel is a little smarter than that. So after he died, Hazel presented a will that Cheney had allegedly drawn up, written in purple ink on hotel stationery, which left his entire $400,000 estate to her. And in the... (laughs) Sorry. And in the will, his daughter would receive some furniture. Oh. <laughs> and every eye was dotted with a heart. That was the suspicious part. <laughs> and it said, Hazel, to Hazel and her excellent diamond level pussy. Yeah. I leave you my entire estate. My daughter can have some junky furniture. And she furniture. definitely didn't do that murder. <laughs> I want her name cleared. Period. It's my dying wish. Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. 
Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily. Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. So what do we mean by clean? Over 1,800 questionable ingredients are never used in Beauty Counter's formulations. They call this their never list. You can learn more at beautycounter.com, where you're also going to want to check out their incredible products. Best of all, if you're a new customer and you order through March 15th, you'll get free shipping on your order of $100 or more when you use the code HOLLYWOOD. Once again, to get free shipping on your order of $100 or more, go to beautycounter.com and use the code HOLLYWOOD. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy, getting out of it is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. I know firsthand that there's nothing more frustrating than trying to pay something down and your payments are pretty much just paying off the interest. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. The best part? Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. The medical examiner ruled the death as a heart attack brought on by acute alcoholism. But Cheney's daughter, Catherine, was very suspicious. Especially of that will. Well, yeah. So she contested it, claiming that her father was a drunk and that Hazel obviously had him under his control, under her control. She also noted that he had drafted a will in 1911 that left his entire estate to his deceased wife with the intention that she would distribute it fairly. Catherine's mother left her own estate to her daughter. So her idea was basically like, look, my my mom left everything to me and he left everything to my mom. So that's part of what goes to me. Right. Essentially. Yeah. In October of 1935, Hazel was charged with forgery and her bail was set at $10,000. A woman named Claire Steger and her husband Fred were also charged as they were the witnesses who had signed the forged will. Hmm. Fred Steger pled guilty to forgery, asserting that he had purchased solution meant to erase ink. Hazel had obtained paper with Cheney's real signature on it and then erased and rewrote her own version of a will. Hmm. See, her fatal flaw was writing too greedy of a of a will right she should she she could have just been like and i give hazel ten thousand dollars yes i love how easy it was to forge back then like you could just go to the drugstore and get ink ink eraser right along with your opium yeah it's like crazy it was so amazing so i mean i feel like drugstores were like a lot cooler back then yeah you could get all sorts of weird shit there absolutely you know it's an apothecary yeah they got shit there right 
I'm going to go see my druggist. <laughs> yeah. So Fred Steger also testified that the will was written after Cheney's death, but dated months prior. Hazel was found guilty and sentenced to two to 14 years in prison. The media attention of Glab's forgery trial prompted police to reopen the investigation into her husband, John Glab's murder. And in January of 1936, seven witnesses in the Glab shooting were brought before a grand jury based on new evidence that had been obtained by the police. One of the witnesses, a man named Floyd Odin, who was a private detective who was a guest at the Christmas party that Hazel got into a brawl at, he said that she said to Harry Frizzell when they were fighting, I've killed one man and I'm going to kill another. (laughs) Now, this is basically what happened was this Floyd guy, he disarmed her. Like he took the gun out of her hand. It was, this is actually like a really great detail um, that is now like new information that's being presented that wasn't in the initial police report. But this is from the paper. um, Then Mrs. Glab, who during the disturbance had broken a vase on the head of Frizzell, kicked out the screen from a front window, removed a fur coat, threw it out onto the lawn, and stood nude before the group, except for stockings and slippers. (laughs) Dude. That whole scene. That's quite an exit. <laughs> for the smashing of the vase, the kicking out the screen door. I'm going to throw your fucking fur coat onto the lawn. Who, it's probably some poor woman. Hey! <laughs> hey, that's my good fur. <laughs> and she's then, standing on it like a magic carpet. Nude. Totally yeah. naked. Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is like one thing I have to say. I'm kind of jealous because I'm like insane, but I'm not like that level of insane where I get right. into brawls. Like I've never been in a fight, like a physical fight. Yeah, and I've never been nude in an insane and like like out of where you like, just like furiously take your clothes where off. Where I feel like fury, like as a like a an assault on people. <laughs> I'm gonna be nude, you bitches! <laughs> like seriously, that is next level insane. Where you're like take your clothes off to like piss people off. <laughs> Like, I don't have, like, I will always be like, well, I'm not going that far. Like, I'm not getting nude in front of everyone as an aggressive attack. <laughs> like, I just can't, like, right. like, I would be like, you know what? <laughs> I've embarrassed myself enough today. I'm just, like, going to leave now with this fur coat, she, maybe. She, she just really took it to the next level. Like, she committed to like, that role. That is how you know someone is a little bit, like, above the norm right. crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, no, I I kind of am in awe that she. I kind did of admire it because I just it's like I'm always going to stop myself at a certain level. Right. Like I'm always a bit conscious of that. <laughs> like right. Well, I don't have rage issues either. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, she clearly the has most rage I will issues. do is like destroy someone emotionally. Yeah. Like just get them right where it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, afterwards, I'm like, well, I could have toned it, it down. Back. I didn't have to like have them like destroyed for the rest of their lives no, she's just des- a month or she two destroyed their their vase yeah and the screen door and that poor woman's right. coat but she gave them a story i mean it's that's a great story yeah. it's fantastic so, so one of the guns that hazel was brandishing during the party turned out to be the murder weapon oh duh yeah hazel was charged again with the murder of her husband john and the trial began on march 4th 
The prosecution prepared maps detailing the movements of Hazel the night of the murder. And these maps are so fucking silly looking in the paper. They look like the family circus. (laughs) Like, (laughs) literally, it's like the dotted lines. Yes. And the footprints. Yeah. (laughs) The shoe prints or whatever. Totally. The prosecution theorized that Hazel Glab and her niece Ethel had been driving the car that and that Ethel went inside to ask John Glab to go outside to the car because his wife wanted to talk to him. Hazel then waited in the car for John to come out where he approached the car, she shot him, and then she ran into the garage where she stashed the gun in a secret compartment of another car. So they didn't look in the garage. They only searched the house. Right. And they found those other guns. Okay. The Glab's neighbor, Mrs. Goodrich, testified again that she saw a woman flee the scene in light-colored clothing and also, again, remarked about the clickety-clacking of the heels of the woman running and that, yes, Hazel often wore heels that clicked. I love that she would wear clickety-clack shoes when she was murdering secretly. She wants to look good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, don't put some soft slippers on or something. Right. Don't wear bright white. It was nighttime, too. I know. Like, it seems a little uh, unplanned. Hazel doesn't give a fuck. Another witness, a former friend of Hazel's named Jack, testified that Hazel once offered him $500 to kill her husband. This is what Jack said. I met Mrs. Glab at the apartment of a friend a month before he was killed. She was in a furious temper at the time and said to me, I'd give $500 if I knew someone who'd bump off that husband of mine. Do you know anyone who would do it? (laughs) (laughs) Just curious. (laughs) Hazel took the stand and maintained her innocence. She said that it was William McIntyre who killed her husband. Hazel was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to five years to life in Tehachapi State Prison, which is where all these girls go. Okay. They all go to to Tehachapi. At least they all end up there eventually. Hazel smiled and posed and waved for the cameras as she left for prison. And I'd just like to show you that iconic photograph. Um, It's fucking great. This is her. She's just just gotten sentenced. I'm going to post this one. Oh, my God. She looks like she dresses exactly like me. She's also holding a detective magazine. Okay. I like this woman. Look at her waving. Yeah. (laughs) She's head to toe black with black sunglasses on. She's beaming. And she's waving with black leather gloves on. What is she wearing? And she has a crocodile briefcase. Oh, the crocodile briefcase is so nice. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I love Hazel. And she's holding a fur stole and a detective magazine. Amazing combination. It's such a good that style. Like you can't teach that to someone. No, you can't. That's a look. (laughs) That is a look. That is a look. Hazel was paroled in 1941. So she was only in prison from 1936 to 1941. Wow. So short. But her life of bad publicity did not end there. Good for her. She was accused of stealing a car in 1942, but the charges were dropped when the vehicle was located. In September of 1945, Hazel was accused of sleeping with a cop on his wedding night. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I like that she's like in her 40s still stealing cars. (laughs) Like, this is like sleeping with a cop on his wedding. How does that even happen? Right? Like, aren't you busy that night? Dude, I don't know. Okay. Oh, this is how it happened. Okay. I'll tell you. So... 
The cop in question, Frank Spears and his wife Estelle, were seeking an annulment for their October wedding the previous year. So it came out in court, okay. this story of how it happened. Yeah. Because Hazel <laughs> testified at their... <laughs> Dude, that is my ideal testimony to give. Yes, your honor. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I'm sure I'll testify. So Estelle said that Hazel was... <laughs> forgot about this part. <laughs> Estelle said that Hazel was her maid of honor at the Jesus! <laughs> and that on their wedding night, Hazel disrobed in front of the couple and then had sex with Frank in front of his new bride. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's brazen hussy. Yeah. Right. First of all, why would you ever have Hazel be your maid of honor? <laughs> like, I'm not blaming the victim. <laughs> I am kind of blaming. Clearly that was a poor choice. Right. Like, Come on. Like, right. I'm, but damn, I mean, you got to give it to Hazel. She was like not doing things behind people's back. No. Like she's like, she's going to do it. But did the front. wife watch or did she leave? She watched, I think. Oh. Uh, so Hazel vehemently denied that this ever happened. But oh. I feel like that's a little too specific and that that obviously happened. Look, knowing her history, she did it. Yeah. There's no it. way. I'm surprised she didn't own up to it. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. Hazel's getting softer in her old age. (laughs) (laughs) Later, Hazel got married to an actor named Alfred Bridge, and they divorced in 1955. So this is like husband number seven. Yeah. By now. She's just a romantic at heart. (laughs) Totally. And she's 55 at that point that they get divorced. And in June of 1958, Hazel was sentenced to six months in jail for, quote, keeping a house of prostitution. Oh. That's what the newspaper said. A 27-year-old woman named Joanne testified against Hazel that she had been hired for what the LA Times described as immoral purposes. Mm, I love to speculate on what those were. Yeah. Immoral. That's so hot. That's like the name of my my memoir. That's my new memoir. Immoral purposes. Immoral purposes. I love that. Yeah. I'm not that immoral. And there's like a rose on the cover. Yeah. And like um, a broken, a broken, shattered mirror. something. Yeah, a shattered something in a and rose. And there's glass on the underneath the rose. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a Seriously? really shiny book. Yeah. And then on the back, my clown picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by Desi Jettikin. Oh my god. And then there's like a, um, a like a, a testimonial from me. Yeah. On it. <laughs> the forward. <laughs> the for- this book made me squirt. <laughs> Yeah, forward quote. by Rachel. I'll Fisher. get like really famous people, and, and then, then just me. you. Yeah, <laughs> totally <laughs> saying something vulgar. Yeah. So, in 1965, Hazel wound up back in court again after her former cellmate at Tehachapi accused her of making obscene phone calls to her. <laughs> I just immediately pictured in Serial Mom. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. When she's like, yeah, hey, yeah, hello, yeah. is this the cocksucker residence? That's the funniest scene with Dottie. Oh, my she's God. She's so upset she's about so it. She's so upset. She's like. Those prank calls are suck. They're fucking hilarious. That yeah. movie is so funny. So oh my I God. just imagine it like that. Yeah. And <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're. Your husband's cocking is in my ass right now. Like just like saying the most vulgar things. Like and and then laughing her ass off when she hangs up. Yeah. Dude, the idea of this uh, like now what like almost 60-year-old woman yeah. making prank phone calls. Dude, she's is 65. Fucking, dude, that is hilarious. 
<laughs> she's like, what can I do? Like, how can I cause trouble now? Right. I'm getting she's like, old. oh, I have a phone. I don't even have to leave my house. I can just fucking <laughs> kick the shit from my house. Like, that's how I feel on Twitter sometimes. I'm like, I don't even have to leave my phone to cause trouble anymore. <laughs> just to dunk on people. So... Hazel said that the reason she was calling her was because her old cellmate (laughs) stole very important papers from her. She was planning on making a book about her life, and her old cellmate had some of these, like, papers. I don't know what the state of these papers were I get the feeling Hazel always feels justified, (laughs) right? (laughs) Totally. Everything she does, she's like, and I had a very good reason for it, too. Here's Okay, fine. I did do it, but here's why. Like, I like that she will deny, (laughs) deny, deny, and then finally admit it, but have a very good reason about why it happened. And this was her reason. She stole important papers from me. And the woman uh, said, I'll give you your papers back if you stop calling me. And Hazel's probably like, you know what? Keep the papers. Oh. No, she didn't say that. I'm just guessing. (laughs) But the matter did end up being settled out of court. She died in 1977. So she lived a pretty big life. And she was so she was like 77 when she yeah, died. Yeah. yeah. And that's the story of Hazel Glab. That's so funny. I'm mad she didn't write the book. I am too. I would love to hear from her side. Yeah. Or like if she finally just admitted everything right, like right before she died, that would be like an amazing book. That would be so good. I also love the idea that she needed these papers. Right. Like, what were the papers? Like, they were, like, <laughs> notes and stuff I had on scrap papers. Right. Like, uh, why? But clearly w- she didn't really need that to write the book. Like, No. I mean... She just... Very important papers. That's how she described them. I think she was just looking for a reason to crank call that bitch cellmate of hers. Yeah. <laughs> crank call <laughs> At <is> 65. So- <laughs> <laughs> also, you picture her, like, you have to understand... She's doing that dial. Right. <laughs> every every number has to do it's the whole deliberate. round. Like that's a lot. That, I give up after like number it, five. It's a long right? time to think about what you're about to do. You're not right. just pressing send. Yeah. No. Or even just dialing a number. Do 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 do. Like she yeah. has to do like. And then if you fuck up, you have to start all over again. She's committed to the prank. Yeah. I She's mean, committed to I it. I guess you could also have to be like, hi, can I have Mayfield 3, 4, 5? <laughs> Maybe that's what she did. But that's also embarrassing because you have to talk to someone yeah. to get through to your prank call. Dude. I would love to hear the prank calls. I'm I, sure. Now that I think about it, I am devastated. We won't get a Hazel Glab autobiography. I do want to have this book of all these women. I do too. I mean, maybe we should write. Maybe it. we should write. Not the with book. a science aspect of it, no. or like the sociological. Yeah, because then people will get mad. These women don't even have degrees. Yeah, um, but I do feel like they would be all good together in one book. Yeah, and then uh, from across the country too. There's probably more stories. Oh yeah, that aren't Hollywood specific. But oh like, yeah, but it's crazy that just in Los Angeles. We've done how many episodes and mentioned other women who have been imprisoned with these women. Right. But we haven't even done episodes on yet. And we've done yet. stories like uh, the Barbara Graham and the Double Indemnity. Right. Too, that kind of fit. Very interesting. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Well, that's it for this episode. Okay. So go check out our Facebook group. Yeah. We have Facebook. What is it? Hollywood Crime Seed Friends. Yeah. So you can join there. Um, and then we have Instagram. We should post pictures. Yeah, I'm going to post pictures. Join our Instagram. Um, Yeah. And then you mentioned the Patreon. Yeah. So go check that out. 
Yeah, people still want to ask, but there is a lot of episodes up now. So there's like 80, I think. Yeah. At so least. there's a lot of content. And we're going to put a, like another long one up tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Thank you. Cool. Bye. bye.